Hello, hello, hello. You know what it is. It's the Album Nerds Podcast with Dude and Andy. Andy, what's up, my man? 2018 hey, is really happening, man. Really happening. Yeah, it's finally here. Woo! So glad to be here, everybody. Welcome to the Album Nerds Podcast, kicking off our uh, new content for 2018 with this episode, cracking into our essential project for this year. I'm taking on funk music. Dude, he's doing his, what's it called? New wave of British <laughs> heavy metal and that's right. contemporary guitar-based music. Something like that. No, that's a little long. It's just a new wave of British heavy metal, which uh, we can get into the details in a little bit. But the whole point here, Album Nerds, is that we have picked particular genres, subgenres type of thing. Andy's got funk. I've got the new wave of British heavy metal. That's right. It rolls off the tongue. And the, the idea is that it's not, it, these are music worlds that we like. But we want to get to know them a little bit better, dig in a little deeper, get beyond what maybe we were familiar with, and hopefully do the same for y'all. So that's kind of what the Essential Projects are all about, finding those essential albums in those specific little little uh, villages of music. Is that fair? Does that sound good? Yeah, we're, we're talking about the records that are like, you know, super influential, you know, kind of changed how we listen to music nowadays. Um you know, for me, I'm trying to find a record that has like a very clear, concise sound to it that, um, you know, kind of stands out from the pack. You know, whether it was popular or not, it's not necessarily important. Uh, I think it's about how it sounds mm-hmm. today. And, uh, you know, we try and tell you guys a story, kind of get some, some type of uh, background and context for these records and... You know, have some fun too. Absolutely. So, uh, the new wave of British heavy metal is good stuff. So, why don't we just get into it? That's me. Were you in a a new wave of British heavy metal group, man? Because you got the pipes for it, dude. No, I wasn't, but I would (laughs) like to be. All right. Wow. (laughs) Thank you. I don't know if that's a wow for good or wow for evil. New Wave of British Heavy Metal. I'm just going to go over it briefly. It's a musical movement started in the United Kingdom late 70s and into the early 80s. A journalist named Jeff Barton coined the term in May of 79 in the British music newspaper called Sounds, describing the emergence of these new heavy metal bands. And really kind of re-energized the metal scene of the late 70s and early 80s. Metal, I guess, you know, their Sabbaths and I guess Zeppelin maybe was thrown in that bucket. Then it kind of stagnated. It was very soaked in the blues. And this movement kind of dropped the blues. There's really no blues sounds, blues guitar, blues influence at all here. It's just... Fast, hard, metallic music, pure metal made for the fans, and it grew from there. It was first just you know club scene and that kind of thing, and uh, eventually some of these bands went worldwide. We're talking your Iron Maidens, your Judas Priest was in that group. Def Leppard was considered in that group with their early recordings. So we're going to talk about a lot of good stuff as time goes on, but this week we're looking at a band I had never heard of prior to this named Angel Witch and their 1980 album entitled, what's it called, Andy? Angel Witch. Very, very original. That's yeah. right. A lot of creativity That's right. going on. Hey, <laughs> the first song on the album is coincidentally called, what's it called, Andy? Uh, I'm just going to throw it out there. Maybe it could be Angel Witch. Is that true? Yeah, it is true. I th- 
You know what? I think we should just jump into that immediately. All right, so I've had You're an Angel Witch, You're an Angel Witch in my head for weeks now. I sing it to my dog. I sing it to my wife. <laughs> I'd sing it to anyone that would listen. i just look at them in the eyes and go, You're an Angel Witch. Because <laughs> it's damn catchy. I don't, you know, so these guys, it was a three-piece band. They had, they had a few, handful of albums. They kind of got together, broke up, got together, broke up. This was their debut release. It really straddled the line, sort of shaping the rise of thrash metal, which came later in the 80s for bands I love, like Metallica and Anthrax and Megadeth. They seem to be a favorite of metalheads and a favorite of bands, but they never really uh, cracked much of, of of the U.S. and a little bit of Britain. They've been, I think they came out an album in 2012 or something, reforming some of the original members, but it was pretty much a dumpster fire of a band. So, <laughs> so you're saying this was their first record, right? Yeah, and then they kind of and they broke up like before it even came out. Th- yeah, pretty much. I mean, not exactly. I mean, shortly thereafter, they never really they reconvened for a second album. But the original singer and lead guitarist and songwriter Kevin Hayborn, uh, after their mm-hmm. debut, he was he left. So wow. it was like you know they were still Angel Witch trying to work off of that name. But, uh, yeah, they were kind of one of the biggest what-ifs, you know? What would have happened if they had stayed together? I mean, I really like the – I do hear the speed metal kind of stuff in there. and But I also hear Queen-style operatic harmonies, and I hear – I like that little wail that he does throughout the album where he's kind of just singing like a British man and then, Wah! you know? And I, I think that's – I really like that that these are like the early days of that kind of stuff and I think it's pretty cool. What were your impressions after I made you dip into the Angel Witch? Uh I was initially very hesitant, I would say, <laughs> to get into this. Once I kind of let my guard down and kind of accepted what it was, it was a really fun record. I found myself singing that same Angel Witch refrain <laughs> quite a yeah. bit. To my to my cats and stuff, <laughs> so uh, <laughs> there's definitely something to that. Um, I mean, you, you have to kind of get into like this the fantastical storytelling and yeah, you know, it's very like uh, Dungeons and Dragons sort of like uh, yes. style to it, which is cool if, as long as you can, as long as you're down with that. I I think you could enjoy this record. Well, yeah, we really need to talk about the lyrics because it's all based on myth. There's myth, there's demons, there's angels, there's the devil, occult references, but they're all kind of disjointed. It's like they're trying to hit every facet of the fantasy world. Yeah. (laughs) At least that was kind of the way I saw it. You mentioned, we were talking offline, and you mentioned a particular song with some lyrics that you found a little bit disturbing. I looked into it a little bit if you want to discuss that. It was a song called Gorgon, right? Right, right, yeah. And some of the lyrics... 
are talking about chopping off her head and breaking her bones and all this stuff, right? Yeah, it's like you can hear her bones breaking underneath the weight of the axe or yes. something like really descriptive yes. and terrifying. <laughs> right. It, a, gorgon, a gorgon is a creature from Greek myth. Okay. It's like the Medusa. So this song is about a warrior being told, this is how you defeat the Gorgon. You have to chop its head off. You can't look in its eyes because you'll... So yes, it's violent and weird, but it's steeped in myth. It's not just (laughs) violence against women. I thought it was like a girl he was dating uh, or something. Uh, Okay. (laughs) We're not talking T.S. Eliot here, people. Um but I, I, it fits. It all fits. It all fits yeah. together. The my- mythical yeah. lyrics, the angel witch, you know, all of it just fits. And it's so. The first couple listens, I'm like, e. I felt like you. I didn't let go. And once I just kind of sunk into it, I, <laughs> I really like it. And I started, I started to hear bits and pieces that sounded familiar to me from bands that came later. So let me play Angel of Death, which is about the angel of death, uh, Satan comes into play, going to hell, etc. But it still rocks. So let's listen. Okay, so I, I want to play something for you really quick. I, hope, you know, I didn't really tell you about this, but I, I, want, I want your true opinion here, Andy, and I want to see if I'm nuts. And you know the people listening, if I'm nuts, let us know on Twitter, and I will apologize on the next yeah. show. So listen to this. Yeah, totally. <laughs> that's, so, that's so... Metallica for whom the bell tolls. <laughs> I was listening to that. I'm like, I know. I've heard that riff. I know I've heard that. Almost identical riff in some other metal song. And yep. there, there you go. That's, that's pretty much exactly it. I really think that's cool. What do you think about this whole idea of digging into some old metal and seeing how it influenced all the other stuff that we listen to? Yeah, man, that's, that's like the main goal for me of the essential project is, is getting some of that context and background and a deeper understanding of what we're listening to nowadays. So yeah, totally, man. I got so much more out of this than I expected out of this particular record. Yeah. Cause everything I was looking up about the new wave of British heavy metal, they kept getting mentioned and I'm like, I don't know. I kind of want to go with iron maiden or something people know and <laughs> right. that I know and that I like, but I'll tell you what, man, I learned so much just from listening to it. There's not a whole lot of information on the internet, but just listening to it enough. And there's a bunch of different editions of this out there. The 30th anniversary, the 25th anniversary, but those first 10 key tracks are really what you want to focus on. I'm not going to go over the whole track list. Just pretty much it's stuff about Atlantis. It's stuff about witches. It's stuff about serpents, whatever. You're going to love it. Definitely check out Angel Witch. Angel Witch, if you don't like metal, but you know someone that does, make them listen to this because they'll enjoy it if you don't. Yeah. <laughs> it's cool. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, the time, uh, you know, it's not a perfect record nowadays. There's things that sounds a little less than stellar, you know, 
the production's a little yes, like the production's a little mushy. Yeah. But I think all the cool things they introduced and you know all the new stuff that there was groundbreaking at the time. So I think in that light, there's a lot to lots to appreciate here and a lot to learn for sure. Yep. We will find more. We will find more of these bands with I think there's gonna be similar ingredients that are all gonna add up to uh to the metal of, of today. Those roots are still there. So thank you, Angel Witch. It's been a pleasure. You're an Angel You're Witch. You're an Angel Witch. <laughs> Shall we get funky? I said a funk, funk, funkity funk. I said a funk, funk, funkity funk. Come on. Isn't that your rap? uh... (laughs) (laughs) Hey, man. I'm 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 just a create I'm just a creative person. <laughs> Whatever comes out comes out. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> you caught me. All right. All right. Next time, next time for the metal, I'll just go metal, 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 and we'll we'll be all good. <laughs> what the funk is funk? <laughs> what is funk? Yeah, that's a good question. So I mean, um, it comes it comes out of like the gospel and and soul. You know, gospel was the later. 1800s and kind of through the jazz movement of the the early and mid 1900s and then all the soul music of like the 60s and from there birthed this funk movement which you know was largely prevalent in the 70s but uh we're gonna dig into uh some of the nitty-gritty over the course of 2018 here man very excited to do that all right we're starting off with an artist you can't go wrong with i picked out a, a james brown record his 1973 released The Payback. And it seems like a bit of an obvious place to start. And that was my initial thought too. But I started looking into a little bit of how, you know, funk came about. And a large part of the roots are based in the soul music of the 60s. You know, coming out of Motown, groups like The Temptations, Marvin Gaye, Stevie mm-hmm. Wonder. A lot of that vibe is what got transmuted into funk in the 70s. Coming out of that space, you know, the godfather of soul... James Brown. So he basically took that sound, added this sharper, heavier rhythm to it. That's how you got funk music. And uh, he was still at the top of his game, uh, you know, coming into the 70s here. In 1973, he put out three soundtracks in one year, believe it or not. The third of which ended up being the payback and is largely uh, looked to be as one of his high points of his career and definitely uh, one of his best-selling records of his entire career. A quick question. Was it an actual movie or just a soundtrack? Yeah, it's funny. So the two soundtracks he did before this uh, were for films Black Caesar and Slaughter's Big Ripoff, which I guess are both okay. uh, similar stories, similar characters. And this is supposed to be the third movie in that sequence. The producers of the film didn't like the soundtrack, so they rejected it and used somebody else's soundtrack for it. Rude. The film is actually called uh, Hell Up in Harlem, if you're curious to check it out. Okay. But yeah, so they rejected this. It ended up being James Brown's best-selling record, his only gold record. Kind of missed the boat on this one, but uh, it's a it's a super influential record. It's, it's been sampled hundreds and hundreds of times. Uh, the title track alone has been sampled over 370 times in different hip-hop and soul records uh, in the future. Yeah, it's crazy. James Brown is like the sample generator master. <laughs> I mean, yeah. his music yeah. is sampled yeah. so much. And we'll dig into that in a little bit. But why don't we kick off here and play the title track. This is The Payback. Yes, we can. But don't do no damn squealing. 
Yeah, so I mean, groups like uh, In Vogue, Massive Attack, and just recently Kendrick Lamar have all sampled this track here. Uh, you can hear that little vocal sample. Yes, you can! Is, is from uh, King Kunta, which is onto Pimp a Butterfly a couple of years ago. Uh, it's kind of cool hearing those those little snippets in there, like, oh, that sounds kind of familiar. <laughs> Where do I know that little little loop from? But uh, yeah, I mean, these, these records in particular really surprised me on how like jam orientated they are each of these tracks are you know the average like seven or eight minutes long the record itself is like 73 minutes i want to say it's just super tight and funky and it has like this kind of cyclical jam style to it and the band is just incredible behind him what are your thoughts on this on this record man funky long as i've mentioned before i I listened to a lot of funk music back in the 90s i was into it a lot of fun to listen to. It's kind of like what disco would be if it was good, you know, sort of a thing. Right. <laughs> the funky guitars and all that stuff. I, I can hear the the sort of birth of funk, the funk elements here for sure. The length of the songs made it a little tough to get into some of them, especially the ones that are a little more ballady. Yeah, there's two tracks in particular on here that are like, you could really call them soul songs. They're you know, James is doing some more traditional singing on them. They really slow down, but they kind of sandwiched in with the rest of the the funkier stuff. It's good, yeah. It was, it was, it did. It felt like a uh, hybrid of some heavy funk with your Marvin Gaye style, you know, life on the streets type of storytelling. It was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. That's a, that's a trend we're going to see here. So um, as we go through the essential product, we'll kind of hear how. How funk evolves over the seventies as these different groups uh, kind of get a hold of it and, and put their own spin on it. Um, this is kind of James' last, like, really uh, important record, I would say, of his career. After this, um, you see a lot of other groups kind of step up and and carry the torch for funk music. Let's play one more cut from the record. This is about uh, about halfway through. It's called "Shoot Your Shot." Yeah, so I mean, some awesome, awesome horn playing there. Super tight, fast solos. His backing band, uh, the JBs. The rotation changed a lot as James Brown was notoriously uh, hard to work with, known as the hardest working man in show business, but it's largely because he didn't let anybody else really contribute any uh, any ideas. He was kind of running the show. The people got to play with them were just absolutely stellar musicians, and they really shine on this record. A large part of this album is instrumental, with kind of James just kind of putting in his little scats and uh, doo-wops and ahs and has and what it is kind of as needed throughout, and it works really well. It's not like uh, something to sing along in the car. It's more something to maybe put on in the background and kind of funk out. Shoot the shot. Ah. 
it also reminded me a little bit of like the Shaft soundtrack. That uh, yeah. frenetic guitar. I love that stuff. That just makes that makes you you know that's that's what can carry you through a record like this, even at seventy three minutes long. If you get that every once in a while, your shoulders get going and uh, you get recharged <laughs> for the yeah yeah. It's definitely a lot of energy put into this, a lot of hard work. You know, at the time, James's son had just been killed, so you can tell there's a lot of anxiety around that in the band, and I'm sure a lot of grief pouring out uh, through this record. Um, but yeah, it's a really cool record. I definitely would recommend it. It's uh, James Brown and the Pack, and uh, dude's pick there, Angel Witch, Angel Witch. Oh yeah! Thank you, thank you, <laughs> thank you. We worked hard on those. That was fun. Totally. So what? What? Uh, what are we up to next time on the Album Nerds Podcast? You son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> no need for name you're a son of a bitch you're a son of a bitch <laughs> next week on the show we're going to be uh, looking back to the year 1995 and counting down our, our top favorite top five favorite records from that year we've got a list we're working on we're uh, duking out some of the of our top picks here trying to come to a consensus and we'll uh, we'll have that for you next week yes we will it's going to be fun going to be fun so everybody all you album nerds out there you gotta go find us on twitter we're at album nerds on twitter on symbol and on instagram you gotta get to us you gotta tell us what you think about the records we're talking about what records we should be talking about and you should get out on the website you should also tell your friends tell your neighbors tell your dog tell your boss tell whoever sitting next to you on the bus. To listen to the Album Nerds podcast, they can find us on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, as well as Google Play Music in the podcast section. Let's grow this community, fools. Yeah, fools. <laughs> wow, so much passion. Come on, Funk Master. You got it. Yeah, you a fool. All right. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Album Nerds podcast. We will catch you next time. Love y'all. See you next week. <laughs>